0: This episode of I Was a Teenage Film Snob is not brought to you by Zavi. Maybe one day, though, those guys are fantastic. episode of I was a teenage film snob I'm James Chalmers and yes I was a teenage film snob but this show's not really about that I mean it kind of is but really what it is it's a show about movie fans talking about movies so what I'm going to do every single week is sit down with a guest whether they're a massive film fan like myself uh, or maybe a bit of a casual viewer we'll have a bit of a chat about what they're into how they got into movies we'll look at a topic and uh, and that'll be it so just a bit of a fun experiment and uh, we'll see how we go so this week's episode, our first episode, my guest is a previous co-host on a show called Pass the Remote, as well as a show on The Office called That's What She Said, and she's also my wife. So, of course, we had to have our first episode. <laughs> welcome to the show, Tina Chalmers.
1: Hello! Hello, everybody.
0: Um, hey, all you ladies <laughs> out
1: there in Radio Land. This
0: is So welcome to the show, Tina, the, uh, the new show. Yeah. We're... Uh, I am not making demands of my wife and my friends anymore, where I'm not going to have regular co-hosts every week. I didn't week. mind.
1: I didn't mind. It was fun.
0: <laughs> it was. It was. And then obviously COVID got in the way. COVID
1: and, and life and, you know. Having a kid. <laughs> having a kid, really, threw a spanner in the works.
0: Not a spanner, but just uh, made it hard A
1: lovely, nice, beautiful spanner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so I was just telling you before we got started, that this is the new show. We're doing things a little bit differently, where we're yeah. going to do interviews each week. So I'm going to sit down with a different person. You're at my first guest and of course mm-hmm. you're welcome to return any single time. I'm just trying to get comfortable. We're yeah, recording. why don't you
1: just sit like a
0: person? <laughs> Normally uh, the plan will be to record in front of my computer, but this one's a little bit different. So that's absolutely fine. Um, cool. So the way we kick it off, Tina, is as I said, I was a teenage film snob. Um, I'm very open up about that. But what I'd like to know is, are uh, you? And I... Kind of know you pretty well, I would say, after yeah. being together for 15 years. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, but funnily enough, when I was preparing for the show, I was thinking about um, kind of our relationship and our relationship mm. with film. And I realized we never really talked about kind of how into movies you were before we met. Like, obviously, our lives have kind of revolved around and been dictated by film. Our first date was a movie. Yeah. Most of our dates have been at movies. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you've kind of been kind of swallowed up by the film world because I'm just like, yeah, movie, 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 yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. But what was it like for you growing up? When did you kind of first get into movies? Are you a film fan at all?
1: Um. Yeah, I am a film fan. I wouldn't say I'm as big a film fan as you. And I thought before I'd met you that I was pretty into film. It wasn't like I was obsessed with it or anything, but I really did enjoy going to the movies. I went to the movies as often as I could. Um wasn't afraid to like go to movies by myself, especially if it was Harry Potter. And just yep. like, be write a note to my dad, go, I'm going to go see Harry Potter. I'd walk to, walk to the cinemas, watch the movie, walk home. Um, well, that's
0: um sorry to interrupt. That's an interesting mm, point because you said you weren't afraid to go to the movies on your own. When did you start going to movies by yourself?
1: I would say probably, maybe like sixteen or seventeen.
0: Okay, so similar age to me. Yeah. Cause I, um, I actually put a post on the on the show's Instagram of the other day, where the first movie I went and saw by myself was Sin City. And I was so nervous to get the movies by myself. I was like, oh, like, what a... I'm not used to going by myself. And now it's my favourite thing to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Well,
1: maybe maybe the first movie I saw by myself was Order of the Phoenix. Well, you did Order of the Phoenix come out.
0: No, we saw that together, Order of the Phoenix. No,
1: I know. We saw it together, but I saw it multiple times. Yeah, that's a good
0: point. So uh, then, oh, 2008? so I would have been...
1: Oh, okay. So I would have been over 18 then.
0: Yeah. Probably. I
1: thought it was earlier than that. Maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't *Order of Phoenix*. Maybe it was another movie. But mm. I definitely know that, like, yeah, I'd, I'd um write a little note to my dad, say, "See you later." If you don't know where I am, it's because I'm seeing *Harry Potter* and I'd watch *Harry Potter* because nobody wanted to see it seven times, <laughs> like me. So <laughs> there's only so many people in my lives where I could be like, "Do you want to see *Harry Potter* again?"
0: Well, you also had the convenience, um, and obviously, won't give out exactly where, but you grew up. Within walking distance. Yeah, that's right, exactly. It took about 20
1: minutes to walk. Yeah. To walk there in 15, 20 minutes. So, that wasn't too bad. But, um, yeah, I was thinking about it. And, like, I think my first movie I ever saw... In cinemas was The Lion King.
0: Okay. That might have been my first Yeah. Film. Well, that's
1: the first movie I remember seeing. Because mm. I must have, at some point, the big movie in my life that got me into movies was Pocahontas. Yeah. Like, that was, you know, when the kid starts the obsession about something, mm-hmm. that was what I'd start the obsession on. Obsession but I don't remember seeing it for the first time. I don't remember going to the movies... I just remember watching it on VHS a million times.
0: Well, that was going to be my next question. Was yeah. it a, Were you a video store kid?
1: No, okay. we weren't. See, this was the thing. So what we would do, we had a blockbuster that was, again, only about 15 minutes walk from our house, so it wasn't very far. But for some reason, I don't know why, but we just never went there. Like, George had, my brother had um, a blockbuster video card later on, and I ended up borrowing it and then stealing it. And <laughs> he didn't need it back, so I just kept it. Um, but I remember growing up when we were kids, we were a film-the-movie-off TV family. Yep. And so our TV cabinet only had, I would say, 20 VHS tapes. Yep. Most of them were TV because we were we watched a lot of TV. We didn't watch a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had Winnie the Pooh... Cassette tapes, Rugrats, cassette tapes. We had the Seinfeld finale taped off the, taped off the TV, and then I remember one day, Babar came home. My dad came home from um, the blockbuster. Like he must have gone to the shops that the strip that blockbuster was on, Mm. and so he went to the shops, and then he came back um, from the shops, and he's like, oh, I went past blockbuster, and they had like a you know sale of of crappy. DVD, uh, not DVDs because it wasn't DVDs then; it was VHS tapes. So yeah. you know they're not gonna have in in rotation anymore. And he brought he bought like he didn't know what it was. He just bought brain donors
0: <laughs> and So okay, we'll,
1: yeah. me and Elizabeth were like, okay, we'll watch this, and we watched it, and we loved it, and it's now a family favorite. Like we love brain donors. Um, so it was really like my my movie watching as a kid was really sporadic, but I definitely enjoyed it because. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be in movies. So I remember Lion King was the first. I remember something happening in the cinema. Like I must have been too. I must have cried, or maybe we left, or I fell asleep. I remember something happening, and just being too young to to sit for two and a, two hours or an yeah. hour and a half, you know, to watch a movie. Um, but yeah, Pocahontas was the big one. And then Mulan as well, to the point where I'd broken the VHS tape. <laughs> and My dad had to fix it. Um, and then after that, there was a gap. And then I'm pretty sure it was like Austin Powers. Yeah. Like Austin Powers is really big. Well, I, I remember sitting watching that for the first time and actually sort of being blown away by that opening
0: The Mm. opening credits of it. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: I was just like, this is amazing. Like the singing and the dancing. And like it was all like one shot. And it was just this wonderful 60s. And I think watching that actually, I fell in love with the idea of the UK. And I fell in love with the idea of acting. I was like because I, I would start quoting the movie and I'd quote it all the time and I just loved the accent stuff. And my sister was obsessed with um with Austin Powers. Like she was really into like flower powers, hippie chicks, sort of thing like that. And it really came from that. And so I just like really jumped on that bandwagon as well. Um and so yeah, if I actually think about it, I think my first sort of oh, wow, like this is People, people do this in real life. People dress up in costume and, and they make movies because before then you're watching animations, you know, you're yep. watching like cartoons and stuff. So I think that was sort of like my, my first awakening.
0: It is interesting like, that, that point you made because even I think about it when I was a kid and like for most of my childhood until I probably hit like 10 or whatever, I didn't care about live action at all. Mm. Like to me, that was grown up stuff. Yeah. So I was all about cartoons, and granted, I'm still all about cartoons. Mm. But like, I remember, you know, you'd watch, you know, ABC or whatever. Yeah. You come like, home
1: after primary school, you would check on ABC Kids.
0: And then like five thirty, the news came on. Maybe it was five o'clock in those days. I can't remember because yeah. ABC was a bit different. Mm. And um, you're like, oh, okay, well, it's grown up time now. and Then TV was over, and like, I couldn't even feign interest in the programs that were on TV because they just, I didn't understand like. It's, it's my favorite example is the 1960s Batman TV show, which mm. wasn't on that late at night. But if you think about that show, it's a comedy, like, that's what it is. It's, mm. it's, it's a parody, it's kind of a satire of the comic books. You watch it as a kid, it's the most serious thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> like, it doesn't play as a comedy. They like, yeah. um,
1: have to get away from this shark.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's jaws mm. um, to a kid. So I was exactly the same. I had no interest until. Well, there were some exceptions, but like for the most part, most of those live-action films that I watched as a kid, they kind of played as dramas. Like even like Blues Brothers, which I talked about, is a comedy, mm. but I kind of th- kind of saw it as more of this high-stakes adventure with music in it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is absurd when you mm. look at it, like as as an adult. But as a kid, I was like, yeah, it's a grown-up movie, and it really is a grown-up movie. I just mm. didn't realize how grown-up until much later. Um, it's interesting, yeah, I would have thought you guys were more of a video store family, but the taping, no. I absolutely agree with, like, that was totally mm. my childhood as well, and we didn't have many VHS tapes either, we were very, um, we had a couple of kids ones, you know, because you'd get one at a birthday yeah, party every now right. and then, but otherwise, it wasn't until, um, it wasn't even the advent of DVD, because DVD was like 97, so I guess 2001, maybe, when I got a PlayStation and I could mm. play DVDs, that's when, kind of, I started collecting, mm. um, and I still remember the first two I collected were The Matrix yeah. um, and Evolution. One film holds up very well. The other one, I haven't seen in quite a while.
1: I, I was obsessed with The Matrix. Mm. Like once, the I remember we, see again, I don't remember how we got it on VHS because we didn't go to the, to the video store. So, like, somehow it just appeared in our house. We must have gone just, like, a random time. Because did, we did go, but it was very few and far between.
0: Yeah.
1: And we. I remember watching it and just, like, who is this man? Like, falling in <laughs> love with Keanu Reeves. But just the concept was so cool and so, like interesting like you've never like come across a concept like that before or at least as a kid I'd never come across that concept of what is real the reality that we live in and all this kind of stuff like that and it that coupled with my absolute crush on Kiana Reeves really helped solidify my love for the Matrix like to the point where in year nine I printed off like the entire Matrix what's the second one again? Uh, reloaded. Was it Reloaded or was it the first one?
0: Because it's Matrix Reloaded Revolutions and now yeah. Resurrection. I
1: can't remember if it was the first Matrix or if it was Reloaded, but I printed off the entire script and I glued it in my diary. Oh, so and you... every single page had photos of Keanu Reeves all over them.
0: Are they going to be like Pete in The Office, how he just learned Die Hard off by Heart? Whatever. I pretty
1: much did. Yeah. I pretty much did. I pretty much learned The Matrix off by Heart. Um, but that was that's because I also have that personality of watching and mimicking and, and, and rehearse. That's why I'm a drama kid. Do you know what I mean? I'm all Mm. about rehearsal, 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 get the mimicry, get the mimicry so that I can perform the line, how the actor performs Mm. the line or do the accent, how the actor does the accent. Um, but I've been like that ever since forever, like even before movies. Um, but yeah, I just, I, and I I do like remember sitting and watching movies when they were on TV with my family. I remember one time we were watching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> I
0: know the story. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good story. <laughs> and um, we were all
1: sitting in the living room and I, I was standing in the kitchen. I was getting a snack or something like that. And um, uh, it was my first time watching it. And again, I loved it. But at that point, I didn't know Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Um, because and I have seen the Matrix, and that's what the Keanu actually
0: fall in love with. No,
1: that's right. You fall in love with the the Matrix Neo Keanu. Yeah, it's Neo. It's all like clean cut and everything.
0: It's Neo. It's Point Break. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of another one. Uh, it's 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 like it's late '90s, kind of early 2000s. Keanu yeah, one that everyone falls exactly. in love with.
1: But I remember I must have been Speed? like maybe Speed? Speed. Oh yeah, Speed. Yeah, yeah, I I ended up buying that one on VHS as well. Mm. And watching that in my room many times, um, but um, I must have been like eight, eight or nine, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was playing on TV, and it was the point where like um, they're having the sword fight down the the around the turret yep. of the tower, and um, he falls. He falls, uh, Ted falls down, and then, like, this, the guy, like, stabs him. He goes, you stabbed Ted, you medieval dickweed. <laughs> and I'd never heard that word before, so I just went, ha-ha, dickweed. And my mum said, don't you ever say that again, Tina.
0: Like, she was, she really
1: cut into Because I didn't realise I was saying, like, a swear. Yeah. I was just like, dickweed, that's a funny word.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, nice one. Mm. Cool. Well, we might go on to the, the topic of the, of the week. Um, so what we decided to do with the first episode, to keep it nice and easy, because the thing is, anyone who's listened to our old po- podcast, and they may have, we've talked about our favourite movies to death, yeah. like, we've done it, and I was talking to, um, Nick Owen the other night, and we were going over our f- favourite list, so we kind of came up to this re- revelation that if you are a film fan, like I am, and like he is, uh, and maybe you to, to an extent, if you are a film fan, your top five never really stays the same. Like, you do kind of have a top five, but things kind of move around, they shuffle up and down, um... But even still, we've done that kind of list to depth. So what we decided for this first episode, even though it is almost the end of February, we'd reflect on 2021. Because even though 2021 was another lockdown year, um, there were a lot more movies last year than there were in 2020. 2020 was a tough year for movies. Mm. Um, Last year, we actually got to go out to the cinema a few times, which was great. Mm. Um, There's a lot on streaming um, because last year the studios prepared. They were like, look, we're going to release all of our titles on, on streaming so that people can see movies again. Um, and I'll be honest, it was tough for me to narrow down a top five for last year, because I liked so much of what I saw, um, it it was, it was really tough, so what we're going to do is go through our top five one by one, um, have a bit of a chat about them, we are going to spoil things, that's the nature of the show, we're going to talk about the plot points as well, so if you haven't seen the movies, you might want to pause until you've seen them, um, but yeah, well I might let you start if you want with your okay. number five from twenty twenty one. Okay,
1: so I haven't ordered them. That's okay. In five to one as in five being the fifth
0: Yeah, the le- <laughs> and, the least favourite
1: yeah. and one being the the most favourite. I haven't ordered them oh no, hang on. <gasps> Wait, hang on a second. Did I just delete the entire list? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. Good, good, good. Um But I I found it hard to narrow down to five because I actually found most of the movies I watched last year pretty mediocre. Okay. So all of them kind of like... I have a lot of honourable mentions, but they're not to be made into the list because it's kind of like, yeah, I liked them. I didn't... I don't think I really loved any movies last year except for maybe like two.
0: Well, what I will say is, w- with my list, because norm- what I try to do is watch a lot of films each year as you know. Um, it wasn't a great year for kind of indie film. It wasn't a great year for kind of like smaller, kind of more int- kind of introspective films. My list is all blockbusters, which is rare. Yeah. Like, normally my list isn't all blockbusters. Normally there's a pretty healthy mix, um, but for the most part it's big tent pole films. And that's just because that's all that came out last year for the most part. Yeah. Um, the Good thing was at least from, from my perspective, most of those bus are really good. Like they were really high entertainment value. They're really fun. Mm. Um, they're really engaging. A couple of tearjerkers in there. So I was really happy with what did come oh, out. Oh,
1: I just realized there's a movie. I just saw something on your list. It's like I loved that movie.
0: So I'm gonna <laughs> add that to my list. Um,
1: cool. All right. Well, then I liked that.
0: That's uh, good. Great. Cool. Well, I'll let you start number okay, five. Okay. So and my no number, order for you really. Yeah, but,
1: no order really. Um, so my number five is Moxie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On the Netflix film. Yeah. So, um, uh, I really, I mean, like I'm a feminist, so I'm going to back up feminist movies mm-hmm. and everything. And I just really loved it. I really thought it was, um, it didn't sugarcoat things. I thought it was very accurate. You know, I, I'm, uh, a, a high school teacher, so I see, um, the everyday misogyny that a lot of teenage girls experience um, in schools and stuff like that. And so I thought it was great. I thought the soundtrack was awesome. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool. Some nice punk girl uh, rock music. and Yeah,
0: some Bikini Kill, I think, was yeah. in there. Yeah.
1: Um, so, no, that's my number. Five. I thought the, act- the acting was really great as well. I really liked the lead actress. I don't know her name.
0: Yeah, um, well, Amy Poehler was in it.
1: Amy Poehler was in it, um, yeah.
0: And it did kind of feel like a, a bit of a spiritual sequel to Mean Girls in a way, I thought. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh. You know, it's kinda of like the the next vein not so not so um comedy based.
0: No, but there was thing. some comedy in there. There was
1: some comedy in there. But you know, Mean Girls is supposed to be like a lot more comedy of course. sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, so that's my, that's my number
0: five. And one thing, well, one thing I liked about the film as well is, cause it, it is very serious, like it is a very important message, you know, mm. um, you know, giving women, young women and well, all women that, ex- you know, that freedom to express themselves and to feel safe, you know, those sorts of things. Um, but one thing I did like that you wouldn't necessarily expect from a feminist film and that's just more, I guess, the, um, stereotypical viewpoint of a feminist, you know, there's, Unfortunately, it's 2022 and there still is a bit of a viewpoint about how feminism is, like some people yeah. do. What I did like is that as a feminist film, it did show both sides where the young, you know, the the lead, and I've also forgotten her name, um, she's, she's way into it, she is feminist, but she also does kind of go a little bit far in as much as she starts pushing where the people who are supporting her mm. and kind of then showed how it can be a difficult line to walk yeah. as a feminist and mm. the importance of, you know... Like, you need to have your message, but you also need to make sure, you know, you're not biting, you know, I guess the heads off the people who are there by your side, which mm, I, you know, mm. um, which I imagine for any young woman or, or any woman at all is, it can be a tough line to walk. Yeah.
1: You know? It was really good because it was really talking about like intersectional feminism and the whole idea of like, you know, femininity can also be feminism. Trans, um, rights are almost mm. feminine, are uh, also feminist rights and, um, I think it, I think it did that really, really well. I think it also, like, spoke about the whole concept of, like, how your identity forms and changes as you accept or reject and then re-accept and then re-reject or, and then finally accept. Like, like it's, it's a journey when you become a feminist, it's a journey, like, you know, at first you're kind of like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm up for w- women's rights, but I wouldn't call myself a feminist. And mm. like, what does that label mean? What does it mean to take that label on and how people see you when you take that label on? And I think these days it's not a big issue. But I remember when I was growing up, like, you know, if you labeled yourself as a feminist, people saw it as, you know, man-hating. That's what it meant. Mm. Whereas these days, that's not what that label means anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and I even think, you know, to an extent... You know what? This is a touchy topic. I'm going to I'm gonna <laughs> keep it there. No, I was going to say something. And you know what? As someone who's not a woman, it's not my place to say. But I have... Listen, but you're
1: allowed to voice the idea. I would say that
0: I have met some feminists who also believe that feminism is about man-hating. That's what I'll say. Isn't? No, is. is. So, oh, so, yes.
1: No, see, that's the thing. So there's different, like... That's that's the, what's great about this movie is that what I mean by intersectional feminism. So intersectional feminism is the concept of like anyone and everyone can be feminists and we all should be feminists. And when it comes to the issues that arise with feminists, it's got to do with everybody. Mm. Whereas um, there's a lot of other branches of feminism where it is like, no, it's misandry, it's against men. That sort of thing. And then there's other branches of feminisms that are, like, anti-trans. And then there's other branches of feminisms that... So it, there's a whole different branches of it and stuff like that. And it's true. There's feminists who exist out there of all of those types. But intersectional feminism is the kind of feminist you want to be, basically.
0: I did find, just because you mentioned, it, I did find that storyline in particular on the trans girls' we maybe the most interesting storyline. Yeah, It's something that... I know I hadn't thought of, mm. um, and I imagine a lot of people haven't thought of, that, you know, not only are you, you know, as a trans person, are you dealing with an ident like a, a shift in identity and like, who am I as a person, mm. you know, beyond the gender I was born in, but now if I am transitioning from man to woman, well, now I also have to deal with being a woman. Yeah in a man's world that mm. I just, but, that I came from, but I was never really a part of. Yeah. And now I'm truly not part of it. It's mm. really, it was really fascinating. Mm. Um, and that, that actress, um, uh, she, she's fantastic. You know, she was, yeah. she was really good. And she was, and that's a, she's a real trans woman as well. Mm. Um, I mean, she's, she's a trans woman in real, in you know, outside of the movie also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. The actress's name who played the lead was Hadley Robinson. I just want to get that yeah. out of here because, like, it's such an important film. And then, like, I was like, we should probably give it <laughs> yeah, credit. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it was a great film. Mm-hmm. My, my number five is nowhere near as important as Moxie, but it was important to me in some way. And that was Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Uh, and the reason being is that no film based on a video game should have... Not just a video game, but based on Mortal Kombat, had any right to be as good as it was. Mm. Uh, it was the first movie I saw in theatres last year, so I was just happy to be out of the house. I mean, I'm seeing a movie the normal way again. Mm. Um, but also, like, the, the last... Kind of cinematic version of a Mortal Kombat film was the 90s ones. There are two, and the first one is campy but still passable, and the second one is really, really tough. But neither of them really captured the spirit of the games, whereas this was like, we're going super violent, we're gonna go gory, like we're gonna really embrace what these characters are, you know, Mm. like which is ridiculous kung fu movie with supernatural abilities. Yeah. And it's the kind of movie that I actually like think you might, like, I wouldn't go so far as to be like, oh, you'll love it, you'll be your favourite. But in the way that I am kind of got you into Iron Man, I think mm. I could be like, I think you might enjoy Mortal Kombat on, like, a silly blockbuster level. Yeah. Um, it was great. Um, they didn't hold back on anything. Um, it really did feel like, you know, a step up from, from the video games or, like, a, a good translation from the video games. And it does feel like, you know, we're probably going to get more and they're probably going to be pretty good as well. Mm. Um... And I'd even hazard to say that it might be one of the better, even one of the best, video game adaptations. Because video game movies notoriously are not very good. But this was just a whole lot of fun. Um, And as I said, it it was far better than it had any right to be. Like, you don't need a movie of that caliber to be good, but it was really fun. Mm. Um, So Mortal Kombat was my number five. Shockingly, it made my top (laughs) five list.
1: (laughs) Cool. Cool. Um, All right, so my next one was Home Sweet Home Alone.
0: Home Sweet Home Alone. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, go on. Tell me all about Home Sweet Home Alone. I just
1: really liked it because we watched watched a whole bunch of Christmas movies um, for Christmas Mm -hmm. Um, and I just thought it was really sweet. So I, like, yeah, I'm a fan of the Home Alone movies. I wouldn't say that they're my favorite Christmas movies, um, but I do enjoy them. Um, but I think that one actually is probably one of the ones that I've enjoyed the most out of a Christmas movie in a long time like probably since Noel
0: Noel's great yeah noel's really, really great that's like <laughs> a really
1: good Christmas movie but this one was just really like fantastic because it was um the the boy was really funny I really like Ashley B um. I really liked how the story wasn't that they were trying to, you know, burgle his house or anything like that. Um, and the the bit at the end where the Ellie Kempler's like, Oh, like she realizes that, you know, your mum's not here and you're here all alone and mm. okay, we'll look after you. I just thought that was really sweet. So I really liked it. My only complaint about it is that I wish there was a the the montage of
0: uh, traps,
1: traps, and stuff like that, and the slapstick stuff could have gone on a little bit longer. I would have liked that. It
0: yeah, look, it had a great cast. You had the I can't remember the boy's name, but it was a mm. little boy from Jojo Rabbit, not yeah. the main boy, his friend, mm. the one who looks like Nick Frost. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah, like a little child version of yeah. Nick Frost. Um,
0: you had Action Bees, mentioned a- Ailey Kemper and Rob Delaney, like really great cast, um, and even you had Buzz from the original Home Alone. Yeah, he that's but, right. Like, My only problem with this film. Um, and I'm not being like, this doesn't deserve you on the list. Like, oh, yeah. I enjoyed it all as well.
1: Archie Yates, his name is. Archie
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah. He looks like an Archie. Um, my only problem with the film was, as you pointed out, like, once they kind of realised that he's home alone, they look after him, which I did like, is that because they're not burglars, Mm-mm. I feel like all the pain and punishment they go through is unfair.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: And so the whole time I was kind of like, because basically the plot is that, like, um, they're trying to sell their house because the dad, like, is... I can't remember who's waiting on a bonus, but they can't afford to live in the house anymore unless mm. they do something drastic. Um, And through, like, a mix-up or through kind of, like, a misinterpreted argument, the little boys steal something very valuable from the house. Um, yeah. And they're trying to get it back. So they're trying to break into the house to get it back so they can keep their house. They're not burglars. They're just trying to, like... Get you know, their thing support back. ...support their family. Yeah. And then they're going through all this, like, violence and stuff, which is, you know, <laughs> which is really funny, like, when they deserve it. I was just like, oh, this is... Like, isn't their life tough enough at the moment? (laughs) Like, and maybe I'm taking it too seriously. Like, maybe I'm like, hey, it's a silly Christmas movie. Like, have a bit of fun. But, like, the good thing about Harry and Marv in the original ones, um, those first two in particular, is, like, they're bad people. Especially Harry. Mm -hmm. Marv, you know, he's kind of like, he just kind of goes along. He's like the sidekick. But, like, Harry is a bad guy. Like, you put that, you put, that's just Joe Pesci. You put him in any other movie, he's the same guy. Yeah. Like, uh, and even in the third one, like, they're spies. You know, like, they're, Mm. they're, they're people who deserve punishment. Whereas in this one, I was like, "Oh, like as a as a parent myself, I was like, oh, like if I was in this situation, like what I'm gonna get hit in the head with a bowling ball and loads up <laughs> because I'm trying to like keep my kid under a roof.'" Like, yeah. but that being said, that that sticking point aside, I did find it quite enjoyable.
1: Yeah.
0: So that's your number four. Mm. Uh, excellent. My number four um, was last night in Soho. Yeah. Um, so I'm a huge Edgar Wright fan. So
1: that, that's my number three, so we might as well talk about it together.
0: Cool. Um, yeah. So it's uh, I'm a huge Edgar Wright fan, and yeah, I would say you're fairly, uh, a fairly big fan of Edgar Wright as well. Yeah. Um, Hot Fuzz being one of my all-time favorite movies ever. Like We watch mm. it every single year because it's a perfect film. Yeah. Um, World's End, I, really, I like Shaun of the Dead, but Shaun of the Dead isn't as high on my list as a lot of other people, which mm. I know is blasphemy. Um, but it's just not as high. Um, I love Baby Driver. I love Scott Pilgrim. Like, I think everything yeah. he does is great. Mm. So when I found out he was doing a horror film, and not a comedy horror, but like an actual, I'm going to do like a creepy, like, mystery, horror, like, time-travelly, mm. psychedelic. Like, everything he was saying, like, he was talking about this film, I was like, this is exactly what I want to see. Yeah. Um, and it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, the, the car, you know, it's got Anya Taylor-Joy, who's, you know, only been on the scene for about kind of six or seven years and has just blown up and become this mega star. She's fantastic. Um Thomas and Mackenzie who plays the lead is really good. You got Matt, Matt Smith, Smith who is really good at playing villains. Like everyone yeah. kind of associates him with a doctor, but he's much better as a villain. Like mm. um It's just, it's visually, like, stunning. Yeah,
1: visually it's fantastic. And
0: I've seen some people like, criticise the CGI for the ghosts but I actually really liked that. Mm. Like, to me, I wasn't like, it's bad CGI it was almost kind of like, a blurred photograph. Yeah. And like, crossed with a Corpse, mm. which I was like, I like that. Like, mm. it, it is really cool. The use of colour, obviously, the blues and the reds is really good. Mm. The music is perfect. Like, he could, Yeah,
1: the music's fantastic. Like, he couldn't
0: have made this film without making Baby Driver, which sounds mm. weird, because she's like, well, Baby Driver's like a good action movie with cars. It's like, yes. But he's always been a great editor. Like, from Shaun of the Dead, you've seen he does those smash cuts. Like, it's sort of mm. like... And he does it on the most mundane things. And then in Baby Driver, he took that transition from visual editing to audio editing. Mm. You can see this is where the film snob part comes in because yeah. I'm getting all, like technical. Um, and then in this, it was very musically driven. But on top of that, the story was great. The twist, you know, I think you kind of called like who the who the villain yeah. was, but not till pretty much the end. I think like, yeah. Same with me, like I kind of picked up on it, but it took a while to get there. Um, and the film for me gave um, off vibes of Suspiria, which is this Italian film by Dario Argento from the seventies. Um, it felt very similar to that, at least in its setup, even though it's completely different. Um, I I loved it. I, um, I, I loved everything about it. It was a very, very enjoyable film for me. Uh, the only thing, and I'll let you talk about the movie mm-hmm. in a moment as well, is when we watched it, it was a night where Zoe just wasn't like yeah. sleeping properly. And at one point, she, like we got this vision of ghosts in her head. And she's just staring at us through the monitor Oh my god, that was freaking,
1: that was terrifying. (laughs) And we're like in her room, in the dark, and she's just staring at us from the cart. And I'm just like, there's ghosts behind me. There's ghosts, there's ghosts, there's just ghosts behind me. So I have to keep staring at this silhouette of my monster baby in the dark. Because if I turn around, there'll be ghosts behind me.
0: Yeah, which I guess shows how effective it is, um, yeah. but I loved it. So I, I've been talking quite a bit on so I'll let you have a bit of it. Yeah,
1: no, I loved it as well. But I am not a huge horror fan. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were first going out, I I gradually became more and more into horror movies, and then I just went, I I can't do this. I I I, I stopped enjoying them, and it was just like I just don't like the feeling of being scared.
0: Well, I think like and you know I, think I don't like
1: the feeling of not being able to go into my toilet at night because I'm scared that if I look in the mirror there's gonna be something behind me
0: i am um, I think like it, and maybe I don't know if it was a misunderstanding or whether like you said something because I was only the impression that you did like horror i
1: did but I
0: think you liked
1: hor- hor-
0: horror style yes. you're like I like monsters i like the look of monsters yes. i like that kind of um, the aesthetic of that. I like yeah, 1950s horror.
1: exactly. Or I like... I'm I'm happy to watch slasher movies where there's a psycho killer. Like I love... J- like Jason movies, I can watch those. That's fine. Um, or like Scream. We watched Scream last year. Yeah, I can watch that. That's fine. I find that funny to get annoyed at how stupid the characters are in the movies.
0: You did have a good run with horror last year. Because over Halloween I was like, I'd love for us to sit down and watch some horror together. I said, mm. I know... Um, like, you know, we we went and saw a saw film once. It was the most violent saw film of all of them. I was like, I know we're not gonna do any gore, but I'd yeah. love like to watch just some like kind of fun ones. We watched Scream Four, which you seem to enjoy somewhat. Yeah, Final Girls, which is an amazing. movie.
1: I liked Final Girls
0: uh, and Freaky. I think was the other one.
1: Yeah, I liked that as well. But I just don't like supernatural horror movies. Like I don't like ghosts. I don't like poltergeists. I don't like something I can't fight.
0: There's think... there's a
1: there's a <laughs> if there's a psycho killer who's coming in to kill me. Well, guess what? That person can be shot dead, or can be stabbed, or can be hurt. And, like, I have the chance of escaping them. But, like, I don't have a chance of escaping a ghost if it's haunting me. I don't have the chance of escaping a demon if it's possessing someone.
0: I think the rule of three was originally no ghosts, no children, no mirrors. Yes, like, that's, that's right. that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah,
1: pretty much. Um, and so when you sold Last Night Soho to me, you sold it as, like, a thriller... You were like, oh, yeah, it's just, you know, like, it's not it's not supposed to be that scary. It was a lot more scary than what you suggested.
0: It was scarier than what I thought it was going to be as well, yeah. to, to be fair. Like, uh, the way... Because the way it was advertised is there were a couple, like, little jumps in the trailer. But it's like, this feels more like a thriller. He was selling it as a thriller himself. He's like, it's kind of like a time-travel-y mm. um, kind of thriller mystery, murder mystery. But it's also,
1: like, the layers of, like rape on top of that and like yeah. sex work on top of that makes it a harder a harder pill to swallow for yeah. me. But I still really enjoyed it because like oh my god, like it was a really well told told story. There the cinematography was beautiful. Just the costumes and the set and the it was and like the music and everything. So it was really well-done movie, it was just a little bit more scary than (laughs) I would have liked.
0: Well, I mean, we were talking about, um, you know, feminism before, like with Mm. Moxie, and whilst I wouldn't necessarily say it's exclusively a feminist film, it's definitely a movie about strong female characters. Yeah. Like, you know, and like with the Thomas and Mackenzie character, the the, the lead role, where she kind of has moved from, you know, kind of the British countryside to Mm. the city, she has to learn to fend for herself, and she Mm. has to... You know, she's even getting ridiculed by the other women that like, yeah. she's studying with and stuff because mm. she's considered a bit of a hick or a little bit out of touch because mm. she's going to fashion school and she already hand-makes all of her clothes and mm. stuff. And um, even the Anya Taylor droid character, who's obviously was born, or um, well, she was living through the 60s. She's the main, kind of the vessel we said the story through when we did the flashbacks. And she wanted to be a performer. And obviously, mm. you know, in, the, in that time, if you want to be a performer you know, you had to do things, like, yeah. with sleazy managers and stuff, you mm. know. Um, but even through all that, you can see how strong she is and, mm. like, then her way of kind of taking back her power is by, you know, brutally murdering these yeah. horrible men, which I don't think anyone really disagrees with. It's like, yeah, she's doing, you know, she's just doing, give, giving them what they deserve, basically. Mm. Um, yeah, it's... I should have been I should have been able to expect something like this from Edgar Wright because he never misses the mark. But I was really blown away by this film. I just I was surprised. He continues to surprise me, which is great in a filmmaker that you like. I was like, "Oh, you can still surprise me and do things that I'm not expecting," which um, he definitely delivered with this film. Yeah. Uh, so that was also your number three. So I guess yeah. we'll jump into my number three, mm-hmm. um, and this is when we get into very much all the um, blockbuster films. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, oh is number yeah. Number three. Mm-hmm. Um uh, it was the first time uh, we had people over again after lockdown we kind of had a little bit of a movie night because it's like oh it's going to be streaming on binge and it's a 4 hour movie so we have to mm. like set aside it. Um now I never hated the 2017 Justice League film. Just to give like some background in case some people don't know what this movie is most people should but they might not. Um it felt like a bit short like it was a 2 hour kind of superhero team movie which kind of felt a bit abrupt. Like, Batman vs Superman is three hours long. Yeah. But like Justice League, we're going to add, you know, four more heroes to this. And we're going to
1: make it shorter. An
0: hour shorter. So it felt a bit short, but I never really had any problems. Now, obviously, since then, a lot's come out about what went on behind the scenes with Joss Whedon and stuff. We're not here to talk about that. Like, we're here to just talk about, like, the movies themselves. But um, it sounds like it was a pretty, kind of, toxic set and stuff like that. And it kind of shows in the work. When you revisit. you're like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff missing from this movie. It just kind of feels like it's kind of an incomplete film. So when they announced... Like, and all these rumours for years. The Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut. Oh, you have to see the Snyder Cut. Look, It's the, the true vision. Mm. And then it finally got released. Um, for our film, I've seen it twice. I watched it twice in a row. So we watched it um, when it released the first night. And then I watched it in installments the week after to see what what it worked better as. Because some people were like, it works better as a miniseries than a movie. I prefer it as a movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it, as a miniseries, it didn't quite work for me. It's better to watch in one sitting. Um, it's just basically an extended version of that film, but there's so much more in it. You get so much more performance out of all of the actors. Um, there's a lot more character work done, particularly with The Flash and with Cyborg, um, and even with Aquaman to, um, a, a certain degree. Um, the visual effects are so much better. I remember when we we'll, I remember I had this outrageous burst at one point. We're sitting there watching when Steppenwolf attacks Themyscira Mm. and I was like why the hell did they cut this out of the film yeah because when you see it in the theatrical cut like it's maybe five minutes and Mm. it just kind of feels very rushed but when you watch the the extended cut it goes for like 15 minutes you see so much more going on it's a lot more violent which Mm. I'm not saying like it needs to be violent but you can see there's some menace to this villain Mm. like Steppenwolf actually has some claws he has Mm. some teeth as opposed to just kind of being like you know, a CGI bad guy who's stealing things throughout yeah. the movie. He doesn't steal the mother box from the parking lot like he did in, mm. the, in the original cut. Um, on top of that, we get Darkseid, which is one of the greatest villains of all time. I really love him in the comics. Mm. So to see him on screen, even though it's very short, um, I really did that. The Nightmare stuff, I am kind of hit and miss with. That's the you know, the end where the is there. Yeah. Like, like a lot of people, like, they were kind of selling the movie on this a little bit and it was kind of meant to set up whatever comes next. It feels like it's misplaced. Like it, does, like it feels like a post-credit sequence, but they didn't want to put the end of the credits, so they just mm. whacked it on the end. It just kind of feels out of place. Still very cool to see. We're probably not going to see any of that stuff now, because Ben Affleck's not doing Batman anymore, mm. so I'm glad it's in there. But it's probably the weakest part of the film for me. But all in all, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I think it is the superior cut, and I really like... Um, I was so happy that I enjoyed it.
1: That's good. Because
0: the last time I saw a Zack Snyder film in theatres before Justice League was mm. Batman vs Superman, which I really like now, but the first time I saw it in theatres, I hated yeah. it. Yeah, um,
1: I hated it the first time I saw it. I've, I've only seen it that one time. You've
0: only seen the, the theatrical yeah. cut as well. Mm. The extended cut is much better, but I hated it. I was just like, what is this? And I was really worried that I was going to feel the same way about Justice League, but not the case. Um, Yeah, I. It's the only problem with Justice League is if I want to watch it, I have to block out like half a day because it's, yeah, so right, it's so long. right, because it's so long. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's visually stunning. The action scenes are superb. Um, it doesn't feel like it's all shot on a stage, which was my mm. biggest concern with the theatrical cut, where I'm just like, this is the Justice League. How come it feels like there's only four people in the room? Yeah. Like, how come, like, you know, Metropolis feels like it's, you know, about three metres by three metres. Yeah. It's tiny. Um, so the scope of, of the extended cut is great as well. Um, but, yeah, really enjoyed it.
1: Nice. Alright, so my uh, number two is Shang Chi. Oh, I love
0: Shang Chi.
1: Yeah, so I um, I wasn't, I wasn't like not looking forward to watching this movie, but I knew nothing about it going in. I was just like, "What? This seems like boring." Um, but that was just like the concept, like you know when when Marvel releases like the titles of the movies and stuff like that that mm. they're gonna release. Like what the hell is Shang-Chi? I've never heard of that before. Um and then I think we watched the trailer. We watched the trailer?
0: We would have watched it, uh, Yeah, we would
1: it, have watched it.
0: I was the same as you. Like I knew a little bit about Shang-Chi, but not much. And mm. I was kind of like, well, I'll see well, I knew it. Slightly
1: less than you. Yeah.
0: I was like, I'll see it cuz it's Marvel, but it wasn't on my to-watch list. It was yeah. like it was more like, well, I try to see every Marvel film in theaters, mm. so I'll see it. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how I felt.
1: Um and I loved it. Like I think it's one of my favorite Marvel movies like there's just it's just funny it's like the action is fantastic the heartwarming moments with the mother and stuff like that are wonderful it's just really really well told like the story is just really well told as opposed to the Eternals which was shit um <laughs> but we're not talking about that but yeah i I loved it I think about that bus fight scene all the time like I think about that probably at least once a week
0: yeah. and
1: just go remember that scene that was really good <laughs> um, and um, who's the main actor again
0: um, Simu Liu
1: yeah he's brilliant he's really really good like we watched the SNL episode that he was in mm. and he's just like he's really good with his comedy and comedic timing and um, so yeah no, I really enjoyed it and I was surprised because like it was a lovely surprise because I knew nothing about the character. I knew nothing about the story. Um, so, yeah, no, I thought it was great. I thought it was really, really good.
0: I agree. It's it's not on my top five. Um, it's in my honourable mentions. But I, I was pleasantly surprised by the film. You're, I agree with you. The fight choreo- choreography was great. Yeah. Um, that bus scene in particular really stands out. Mm. Um, I'm a huge fan of Aquafina.
1: Yeah, I, she's brilliant.
0: I never saw anything, I think, before Ocean's 8. And every time I see her pop up in something like it if I see her now, I'm just like, Well, this film's probably gonna be good. Yeah. Like when she was in that Jumanji sequel. She was
1: being Danny DeVito. <laughs> she was like, brilliant. Yeah. So
0: good. I also really liked that they did a male female female relationship that wasn't romantic. Yeah. In fact they go out of their way like to be like, no, like we're like brother and sister. Like um mm. uh, I, I really liked that. Um I liked all the little Easter eggs. You know, you see Abomination show up, you know, briefly fighting Wong. Yeah. In, like, the underground fight scenes. Um, like, the end is a bit of a CGI, not mess, but it is a bit CGI heavy. Like, there's yeah. a dragon and, mm. like, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff going on. But, um, you know, I like the return of Trevor from Iron Man 3 and he's got a friend that's got no face, the weird little turkey bird Yeah, thing. turkey
1: bird turkey thing. Bird. Pig like, bird, yeah. pig bird thing.
0: Um... And what I I loved about it, because I I think I said to you, I go, this is my favourite standalone movie since Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm. Like, any first non-team film where I'm like... Like, I liked it better than Black Panther. I liked it better than um, Spider-Man Far From Home. I liked it better than so many... Like, Thor Ragnarok. I liked it better than all of these movies. And I think what it was is they really sold the family story for me. Yeah. Like, you know, they played around with timing a bit, but you see, like um when his mother gets murdered like Mm. that scene is so heartbreaking and then you see like kind of his dad has the chance to be like well i'm gonna still be the man that she turned me into and he instead he's like i can't Mm. i'm gonna be everything that she hated to get revenge Mm. and then like it kind of puts shang chi in this position where he has to decide what kind of man he wants to be Mm. um it's really good and like my favorite stuff about it isn't even the fights. The fights are amazing, but it's that central family story. Yeah, that's right. Which has been kind of absent from most of the Marvel films. Like yeah, a,
1: absolutely. With the exception
0: of the Ant-Man films. I think the Ant-Man mm. films do very well with that family story as well. Um, but, you know, like most of the Marvel films are kind of like... You know, and I love, I love the Marvel films. But it was a nice little change or something that we hadn't seen before. We got to play with that kind of family dynamic and that emotion there. So mm. um, I agree with you. Shang-Chi was amazing.
1: What's your number two?
0: Uh, my number two... Look, my number one and two are almost interchangeable at this point. Um, I actually thought my number two was going to almost hit my number one spot, but um, but it isn't number two. Um, and that's The Suicide Squad. Yeah. Uh, the James Gunn remake... Uh, not mm, remake, but kind of follow-up. That's up.
1: one of my honourable mentions.
0: Um, I always knew I was going to like it um, because I like those characters. I like James Gunn as a filmmaker. He hasn't made a film that I haven't liked. Um... And I knew they were were letting James Gunn make the film he wanted to make, which is, look, it's not going to be kind of this PG kind of Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. That's not a criticism. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. But this is a a team that, you know, they're murderers. You know, they're villains. Like, we're doing Mm. a villain-only film. Like, let's see them be villains. Yeah, that's right. And through James Gunn's filter, you can see um, all the violence and all the cursing. And you get to see Harley kind of go off the chain a little bit. You get Mm. to see... um, Peacemaker, who's a fantastic character, has his own show now as well, which is brilliant. Um, you get to see King Shark, who I never thought I'd see in a live action film. Yeah. Um, and might be my favorite version of King Shark. Yeah. <laughs> I really like him in the Hartley Quinn cartoon as well, but mm. um, Sylvester Stallone somehow is a great version. Like he is, he is to King Shark what Vin Diesel is to Groot. Yeah. Like it's just that's that, right. that performance. Mm. Um, I never thought I'd see Starro the Conqueror in a movie. Mm. Um. Like the calibre of actors in this film, like to anyone who hasn't seen it or has been living under a rock, like you've got Margot Robbie, you've got Idris Elba, you've got Peter Capaldi. Yeah. Is in this movie.
1: These are like BAFTA award winning actors. Like
0: huge I mean, obviously <laughs> we knew Margot was coming back. She's yeah. been Harley for a while. But Idris Elba, like has I mean, I guess he did a Fast and the Furious film as well, but like he's a high calibre actor. Yeah. Peter Capaldi is like, you know up there with um what's the guy who plays Tywin Lannister? Um, oh
1: um um yes i know who you're talking about um
0: yeah i've forgotten his name i
1: can't
0: uh but he's like you know very upper class like yeah. very uh respected british well, actually scottish um i think actor um
1: charles dance charles dance That's yeah right. he's, he's, charles he's a lot
0: in that kind of same um mm. caliber and it's just it's beautiful like it's it's as i said like it's visually gorgeous um the jokes are all on point it's very very funny um, it's very poignant. There's some really beautiful moments in there, especially with the rat catcher character. Like, mm. um, and she's obviously kind of the the innocent in all there, and she's the yeah, one who kind of right. kind of ties that kind of gooey center there. But it's so much fun. And one thing I'd forgotten about, I rewatched it a couple of weeks ago in preparation to watch Peacemaker. I'd forgotten about all the little tran like little title cards they did, where yeah, they just like found like things within in the world of the movie and use them to that make chapter cards so like mm. there was like the wind the wind blows leaves across the yeah, beach and the leaves make right. the title or yeah, like an explosion that. like the smoke spell mm. like just cool little that things little... that they don't need to do um <laughs> i was just thinking one of my favorite lines is um when they're in Jötunheim at the end and they're playing the plastic explosives and king shark makes a model out of the plastic yeah. explosives <laughs> of peacemaker and it's this really cute thing and it's like, Peacemaker. Yeah. And Peacemaker's like, well, that's sweet, but doesn't look anything like me. Yeah, that's right. Like, John Cena has been one of the most delightful surprises for me in film over the last couple of years. Just like The Rock. Like, mm. I remember there was a time when The Rock and John Cena both started doing movies. I'm like, oh, they're just wrestlers are just making movies now? Yeah. And they were making these direct-to-video um, movies and stuff. I never thought much of them. And I guess what they were doing was practising it was like I'm gonna make. Yeah, you know, I'm in wrestling, which is kind of like a soap opera anyway. Yeah. And I'm doing all these director video um, movies, and one day I'm gonna get a chance. And when mm. I get that chance, I'm gonna show you what I can do. Mm. And it's true because the everything I see the Rock in, I even if the movie's not good, I like him in. Mm. And same with John Cena. Like the first thing I saw him in was Sisters with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. Mm. And he doesn't have much of a part in it, but he was you know he was entertaining for what he was. And then he showed up in Blockers. And Blockers, to me, is one of the few great modern, like, teen sex comedies. Mm. It's basically American pies, but... American pies. American <laughs> Pie, But they flip the gender. Instead of, you know, the boys making a pact, it's the girls making a pact. And he mm. plays this straight-laced dad. And his comedic timing is so good in it. Mm. And then you give him a chance to really chew the scenery as Peacemaker in Suicide Squad. And, of course, the Peacemaker show as well. And you can see the hard work he's put in you. Like, he's been honing his skill for the last ten years. Yeah. And now... You know, I'll, I'll watch him in anything. Mm. Um, and he's probably, the, you know, the standout performance for me in that movie, even though he gets probably the least to do. Um, he's the one I expected the least from as well. Mm. And he really delivers everything he he um does. One of my favourite sequences in that movie is when they're storming um, the rebel camp. They're like, Rick Flagg's been captured. We have to go save mm. our friends. We can move on. And then it turns out, like, it wasn't a rebel camp. They're yeah. And they've killed all their allies by mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny. Like, I mean, I knew it was coming. And even in the rewatch, I was like, this is still a great scene. Um, so, number two, Suicide mm. Squad, absolutely. I
1: also just wanted to mention, Idris Elba has an OBE.
0: Oh, and Order of the British Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: and he's in Suicide Squad. Um... Alright, so my number one, I think, is the same as your number one. I'm thinking it
0: probably will be. Yeah,
1: uh, and that is Spider Man No Way Home. Absolutely. Yes. Um, man, it's a good movie. Like, <laughs> it's a good movie. The end. Um, oh, like I mean, we all knew that it was gonna have um the other two Spider Men in it.
0: Yeah, well, we said spoilers up, but if you've yeah. seen Spider Man by now, like you're not gonna see it. Um, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, yeah. the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, with the exception of Andrew Garfield, like I know that like everyone was expecting him, but he was really going out of his way to say he wasn't in the film. Like, and not in a way where you're like, well, obviously he's in it. But, like, he was kind of like, you know, talking down about the studio. He's like, you know, working on those previous Spider Man films was such a bad experience for me. I wouldn't want to come back. You know, like they really ruined that trilogy. They, you know, like he'd say all these things, and oh, I was wow. to the point where I was like. There's no way he would come out and say these <laughs> yeah. things because they'd never want to work with him again. But I guess mm. they were like, "Look, do what you can." Yeah, to, like to squash these rumors. Mm. Um. Anyway, sorry I interrupted. That it was
1: it, that was that was just brilliant. That was fantastic. So many so many awesome things happen in this movie. Like, just I love the whole like relationship between Peter and Doctor Strange. It was very reminiscent of Peter and Iron Man as well. Mm. Sort of thing I felt. Um, and, like, again, spoilers, but, like, the death of Aunt May, oh, my God, that was, that was really hard.
0: I think, um, before we went into the movie, I was talking to someone the day before, because I was like, I'm finally seeing Spider-Man tomorrow, um, and I said, here's my prediction, I'll cry ten times, um, and, because I'm a notorious film crier, and from when she first says, with great power, must also come great yeah. responsibility, through till the, um, the scene where they're all trying to like, come up with the cures in the the mm. lab, I cried about ten times. Yeah, like because like it's so heartbreaking and sad, mm. but also so like visually awesome. Like it reminded me of the first time I saw End Game when the portals open, and everyone comes back. Yeah, and I was talking about this with Nick the other night. Where I'm like, there's a scene in Avengers End Game, where Valkyrie is riding a Pegasus, she's holding a spear, cuts open a giant space worm, and Spider-Man's swinging on behind. Think about that sentence. That was in a movie, and that was only in about three yeah. seconds of a 45-minute sequence. And I was just like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. <laughs> I'm c- crying because it's so awesome. Yeah. And that's what like that middle section of Spider-Man for me was like. Mm. Where it's like, I can't believe Tobey Maguire's back. I was in theaters mm. like, when Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man for each one of those movies.
1: Yeah, our first date, and Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man. Yeah, it
0: was Spider-Man 3. Um, and then those two amazing Spider-Man films I also saw in theaters. Mm. So I've seen every Spider-Man film in theaters. Um, so to see all three of them on screen at once, I was like, I can't believe, I mean, I know, like, I mean, I know we were expecting it, but like still to see it actually happen, it's like, oh my God, like, yeah, um, yeah, sorry, I interrupted you no, that's a, No, <laughs> no,
1: that's okay. It's a discussion, it's not an interruption. Um, I, I, because I can't remember five minutes ago, I actually have big moments of not being able to remember a lot of the movies that I saw. So there's big chunks of the movie that I don't remember. Um, but it was just fantastic. Like, it was just really, really good.
0: Well, it follows on exactly, it, it picks up exactly where the previous one left off, which yeah. is Spider Man's identity has been revealed. And um, obviously, he goes to Doctor Strange ultimately, not because he's so much worried about his identity being revealed, but by having his identity come out, it's affecting the lives of his friends. Yeah. So they can't get into college, that sort of mm. thing, because they're with, you know, someone who's undesirable now yeah, because he's, that's you know, right. acting outside of the law and stuff like mm. that. Um. There are some great little um, Easter eggs. We get to see the return of Charlie Cox's Daredevil. Yeah. Well, technically there's Matt Murdock. He doesn't put on the suit, which is the only thing I wanted. Um, where I was like, does it like, make this film perfect? Daredevil shows up in the final act. Mm. It wouldn't make sense, so I understand why they didn't do it. But yeah. for me, as a huge Daredevil fan, it would have been cool. Um, but you have that. You have the bridge scene, which is, you know, I remember for a while. Everyone's like, based on the trailers this entire movie is on a bridge, hmm. but you have that great scene where Doc Ock returns and he's yeah. interrogating mm-hmm. Peter Parker. Um, all the villains coming back were great. Like, Jamie Foxx, you know, I never thought it was terrible as Electro, but mm-hmm. he really stepped up his game in this yeah, film. Yeah, he
1: really did.
0: Um, uh, obviously, like, Lizard and, and Sandman have kind of less to do. They're there, but they're not as, you know, impactful. Yeah. Um, as, a, you know, compared to Green Goblin. Willem Dafoe, like steals this movie for me he's so good as the villain like he's so good he plays that kind of line between you know is he sane or is he insane or is he is the goblin like real or what's going on like really well done great decision by the studio to be like hey as soon as he's in this universe we're destroying that stupid mask yeah because Willem Dafoe without a mask is way scarier than Willem Dafoe with a mask that's (laughs) right um you have that great redemption moment for Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man where he saves MJ, oh, which destroys me. That
1: that really did destroy me. I was just like, oh my God, this can't happen again, this can't happen again! And mm. then when he saved it, and he's then he's crying because he saved it, and I'm just like...
0: Oh. Well, there's also a really great... like, And that that alone would have been perfect. Yeah. But then there's a, the next thing that happens is an ad-lib by both of them mm. where Andrew Garfield goes, are you okay? That wasn't in the script. Mm. He just asked if she's okay. And he and MJ goes, yeah. Are you mm. like because he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so they both ad-libbed that, and it's like, what a great little detail. Mm. Like, you didn't need to do that, but like, it just elevated so much more. Um, and then obviously it ends, like, it's not a sad ending, but it's also like, okay, Peter Parker is alone. Like, yeah. no one knows who he is anymore. Mm-hmm. None of the Avengers know who he is. Doctor yeah. Strange doesn't know who he is. His friends don't know who he is. There's a scene which is heartbreaking where mm-hmm. he goes to Aunt May's. Um, grave and happy Hogan is standing right next mm. to him, has no idea who he is. Yeah, he's like, How did you know her? and, yeah. and he's like, Through Spider Man, he's like, Yeah, me too. But mm. like, has no idea that the woman that he's mourning, this woman that he loves, mm. was the aunt of the man sitting yeah. next, to, standing next to him. Yeah, um, but it's also a really great origin story, like you. Because a lot, a lot of people were like, oh, we're not doing the Spider-Bot, we're not doing Uncle Ben. We didn't do Uncle Ben, instead we did Aunt May, which was a great twist, and took us three movies to tell the story of, like, this is how he became Spider-Man, really. Yeah. Mm. Like, this is how he becomes who he needs to be. This is how he learns the importance of taking responsibility mm-hmm. for your actions. Yeah. Um, he had a wonderful mentor in the first movie with, with Iron Man. Um, and the second one is about kind of coping with the loss of a mentor, and this one is like, now I'm truly alone, mm. now I have to be the hero that, like, I'm destined to be. Yeah. Um, and it was such a fitting, perfect ending to the trilogy, and he's come out and says, like, I'll do them until they, till they tell me no more. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is yeah. great, like, they're already working Why on Spider-Man That's 4. That's right, yeah. Um, I loved it, like, it was so close to a perfect film, like, there's very few things that I would change about it, there very few, th- few things that I'd add to it, but, um, again it was one of those films just like with Justice League I was like man I hope I'm not disappointed by this mm. cuz Far From Home wasn't a disappointment but it wasn't as it wasn't like I think it got hyped up a bit too much like I like mm. Far From Home and Mysterio is a cool villain and that twist at the end where like his re- his identity is revealed is really cool mm. but there's a lot of time where they're sitting on a bus yeah there's a lot of like there's a lot of parts in that film where Spider-Man doesn't get to be Spider-Man like he's yeah. not He's not swinging around.
1: He's being the student on the on the exchange trip, mm.
0: thing, and we yeah. did a lot of that in Homecoming. So like, and the villain in Homecoming, I think, was slightly better. I like Vulture better than Mysterio. Mm. Um, so even though Far from Home wasn't a disappointment, it wasn't quite what I was hoping to be. Whereas No Way Home, even though I pretty much knew everything was going to happen, and based on everything got leaked, <laughs> yeah, um, it still um, exceeded my expectations. Mm. Do you have anything else you want to add about Spider Man? Um,
1: let's see. No, but I think it's a really interesting setup because we know that Ned ends up becoming a villain.
0: In the comics, Ned leads yeah. as the hobgoblin, yeah. Yeah,
1: and so it'd be interesting to see that now he's not friends with um, Spider Man anymore. What, what his opinion of Spider Man obviously still exists. So what's his opinion of Spider-Man going to be, mm. and how does that then create him as a character to possibly be a villain?
0: Well, there's also that great line where all, when all the Spider-Men are talking and Ned's trying to keep up, yeah, and like they're talking about the MJ's in their world, and like you know Andrew Garfield didn't have an MJ, yeah. he had, um, but you know, and then like the um, I, I just got. I remembered it and I got excited yeah. and I lost my words. Mm-hmm. Um, Where Toby goes, um, the what about what happened to your best friend? He's like, oh, he tried to kill me. Yeah. And then um, Andrew Garfield's like, yeah, my best friend was my best friend. And he tried to kill me as well. Yeah. He died in my arms as well. Yeah. And it's like, and it's starting to see the pattern. He's like, yeah. He goes to Tom Holly's He's like, no matter what, I won't try to kill you. <laughs> he won't become <laughs> yeah. a villain. But that feels like that uh,
1: feels like a bit of a setup.
0: Yeah, like he yeah. probably will. Mm. Um, it's such a good film. I can't wait to see it again. Mm. Um, I already I ordered it like on Blu-ray the day I came home from the cinema. I'm like, yeah. the pre-orders up, I'll order it now.
1: <laughs> nice. Alright, um. so do you have any honourable mentions?
0: I do have a few honourable mentions. Um, we already talked about Shang-Chi, so I'll take that off. Mm. Um, do you want to go one at a time, or do you just want to go through the like, list? I'll just go through my list. Cool.
1: And I'll just talk a, a quick few sentences on each of them. So, um, my honourable mentions are Black Widow. Yep. Yeah, Really, I really liked it. Yeah. Um, like, this is the thing. Like, I mean, all of these movies I liked... But I'm not like, oh! other than maybe Shang-Chi and Spider-Man, like none of them are really like, oh my god, my favorite. So yeah, I liked Black Widow. I don't know if I liked it enough to add it to the list, but I didn't dislike it.
0: The best part of Black Widow for me was um, Yelena. Yeah, Yelena,
1: yeah, she was. Who great. then
0: shows up in Hawkeye and is yeah. even is great. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Suicide Squad. We already talked about. I re- this is controversial, mm-hmm. but I really liked the Cinderella remake. Like so many people. Oh,
0: with Camila Cabello.
1: Yeah, so many people didn't like that movie. I thought it was great.
0: It's look. It's really cheesy. Yeah. Like, but it is fun. Like, there's some things in it where I was like, oh, this. Like, there are a couple of random things like, oh, this is a bit weird. But I, I enjoyed it. Like, it was totally fine. Like, sit in sit in your couch and watch a yeah like a silly movie. Like, would, would I
1: rewatch it? Probably yes. not. For, <laughs> probably not for a while. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But like. I thought it was fun. Everybody was like, This is trash. I'm like, yeah, but it's kind of enjoyable trash.
0: I mean and it wasn't Disney, it was Amazon who made no, it. No, that's right. And compared to some of the live action Disney remakes, I would probably yeah. I, 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 I
1: liked it better than the Disney version of Cinderella. Did you like way better than the Disney version? Did you like it better than the, like better than the live
0: action Aladdin? Or live action Lion King? Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs>
1: um, because I mean, it had like all of our favourite British comedians. So, you know, it had James A. Castor, Ramesh Ranganathan, it had Rob Beckett. Uh, Who else did it have? It had a whole bunch.
0: James Corden was in it. James
1: Gordon. Who a lot of it. the internet of people, hates, apparently. Yeah, the internet hates. But they hate because of, like, cats and stuff like that, which I haven't seen cats. I like James Corden because of um, um, things like uh, Gavin and Stacey and stuff. Mm. Um, I, my my last honourable mention was Matrix Matrix Resurrections Mm -hmm. because I felt like I should add it to the list because it's a Matrix movie, but I don't know how I feel. I have to watch it again Mm. because I'm so, not confused, but so like needed to spend that viewing wrapping my head around the storyline that I couldn't actually really enjoy it. So I have to watch it again simply to go, okay, now I have a vague understanding of the story. Now I can just watch this for the enjoyment of watching it.
0: Yeah, Matrix didn't make any any of my lists for the year. Like it was, I didn't dislike it, but it just it there were other things that were just stronger for me. Yeah. But there were some really great moments. I was surprised how mu- how happy I was to see Keanu Reeves and Carrie Moss share the screen again. Yeah. Because I never really felt like they had that much chemistry in those no, movies. No, they
1: really don't. You so, kind of watch them and you're like, why are these two together?
0: Yeah. Like, and it's got nothing to do with like them being bad performers. like They're both no. great and I just never really kind of bought the love story. The
1: characters are too stoic. And so you don't see them bonding over anything other than being stuck on the ship together.
0: And they're also like driven by the mission.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's the first thing. So there's no like... You don't see love between them. Love in terms of, like, romance or fun times or humour or anything like that. Yeah. You see them both being like, I would die for you. Mm. Sort of, that sort of thing. It's like, okay, we'll take, take a break for a second. But
0: um, but I did like seeing them on screen together yeah. in this movie.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I liked watching them together a lot more than any of the other Matrix movies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there's definitely things to like about it. Um. Definitely, yeah. What I want it. Um, I've got a few. Um, so w- one of them was this documentary that came out last year called Clerk. It's just a documentary about Kevin Smith and his career. So of course I was presupposed to like this movie. Mm. Um, the only complaint I had with the film was I knew everything in there. Like, yeah, because I'm such a diehard fan, I've heard all the stories before. There wasn't too much new for it, but it was still good. Mm. Um, there's a movie that came out in 2020 for the US, but it was released in 2021 for Australia. So that's why it's on my list. Um, it's called I Care a Lot. It's another Amazon. Oh uh,
1: yeah, I wanted to watch this one.
0: Rosamund Pike plays um a woman in um, and like she kind of she kind of like gets uh elderly people into aged care. That's mm. her job, but it turns out she's actually a con artist and she's using it to like kind of rip them off basically. Yeah. Um, and then she gets caught up into a whole bunch of like weird, violent, like mob-like activity, and it's a mystery and it's a drama it's a comedy Mm. um it's really good um it's really really good so that's why it's on my list um and then the last three are all horror films actually the first was the wrong turn remake um now for those who who aren't familiar wrong turn um the original came out like 2002 with eliza dushku and it's basically about mountain man hillbilly cannibals that's kind of what it is yeah for six movies and the the series isn't that good um I found that every film that ended in um, an even number tend to be better. So I like two, four, and six. I don't really like one, three, or five. Yeah, um, but they were more just kind of like cheesy, kind of like B movies. Mm. This film is not that. Mm. This film is like a a serious take on it. Like it's less about they're, they're not hillbillies anymore. So what happens is it's the same kind of premise. Five friends are driving. They get lost in the woods and they get kind of have to worry about the you know fear for their lives. But instead of being hillbilly cannibals, it's this old, like, ancient tribe that lives in the forest. And they live very, um... Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. They live off the land. Yeah. You know, they don't rely on technology. Everything is like candles and, you know... Yeah, yeah. They live, um, and, you know, they hunt for their food. Um, they use tools. They believe in, you know, kind of the old laws where, like, if you steal, you'll get hurt or killed and mm. that sort of thing. Um, so it's a really interesting take on it. And because of that, I just found to be way more enjoyable. Where I was like, "Oh, this feels realistic. This yeah. feels like something that could happen." It's kind of like you hear about, like there are tribes in the Amazon who mm. you know still untouched by man. That yeah, sort of thing. yeah, that's right. And it was the same. It kind of had that sense of danger to it. Mm. Um, and it also felt a bit, a little bit like a cult as yeah, well, which cool, i caused. That I you love. I yeah. um, so it was a fascinating take on it. And I think it's better than anything they made in that original series. Like, Mm. a lot of people hated it because they were like, it's not cannibalistic hillbilly mountain man. Yeah. Good. Like, this is so much more interesting. It's so much more Mm. fascinating. It's so much more scary Mm. because it's not people like, you know, who are deformed, you know, killing to eat or like for fun. It's like, no, we have our rules. This is Mm. the way we were raised. This is what we do. Mm. This is how we live. And you've broken our rules. We don't understand. We don't live by your laws. Therefore we punish you the way we see fit, and that's Mm. to gouge your eyes out. Yeah. Like, that's what the movie is. Mm. Um, And it's really, really effective. So I loved Wrong Turn. Um, The next one on my list is uh, Malignant, which was directed by James Wan, who, of course, is on Aquaman. He did the Saw films, or the early ones anyway. Um, Done a lot of horror films. And Malignant is a really weird movie, uh, and that's why I liked it. Mm. It's basically about a woman who keeps having, like, visions of people being murdered. So she keeps having dreams. Well, like, she was sitting in a room and suddenly, like, the room will change and she's... It's almost as if she's in the point of view of someone else as they're getting murdered by Mm. this mysterious figure. And then, spoiler alert, it turns out when she was born, like, her twin brother, like, the embryo or, like, the Mm. fetus never separated. So the back of her head is, like... She's like Voldemort. There's a face there and, like... It's got, like, this psychic power and stuff. Ooh. And, like, <laughs> like there's a scene where, like, it takes over her and she's, like, the demon or, like, the monster baby in her head is fighting the police. But so, what,
1: be- she's she's just never seen the back of her head? Well,
0: so she what? brushes
1: her hair and she doesn't feel...
0: No, so, like, it was grafted over and there's a, a graphic scene where, like, she's bashing the back of her head until uh, the skin uh, of the face comes out. Gross. Yeah. It's so bonkers, though, like... The whole time up until that reveal, you're like, this is just like a supernatural kind of ghost story, I think. And then when you find out that her brother is living in her head and the face comes out and she's fighting everything backwards because <laughs> it becomes this weird, like horror comedy. Yeah. And like, it's she doesn't have superpowers, but he does. So she's jumping backwards like a super. It's so weird. But
1: how is he. Why is she getting visions of murder? If he, he's not a murderer,
0: he is the murderer.
1: So he's been killing people while so she, she's unconscious. Well, she, so
0: so when he so there's one brain but two consciousness. So when he dominates her, when he dominates the brain, she kind she's of... she's the
1: one who kills.
0: But he's but he's the one in control. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. she's having visions of her...
1: oh of her murdering people. But she doesn't, but she realize, doesn't realize it's him because he's living in the back of her head. Yeah, 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 yeah. It
0: is a weird movie. Yeah, it sounds weird. But I was like. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. Like and that's what I want. If you can't make a good movie, like make it interesting or weird. Yeah. And this film kind of walks all three of
1: I love how like cuz movies go through a process of like having to pitch ideas to to studios and please give me money to make this and then it goes through like forums and like test screenings and
0: I think the thing
1: <laughs> like people are just like, "Yep,
0: I think the thing is, it's James Wan who has never made a film that didn't make money. Yeah. He makes very low budget films except for Aquaman, which is fine because that's a friend. Like, that's a Warner Brothers, like, we'll spend a billion dollars on Aquaman. It's fine. Yeah. But, like, he makes low budget horror films. He's got a really good reputation. He's got a huge fan base. So, even if it, he makes a weird film like this for $2 million or $4 million, based on his fan base alone, it's probably going to make a profit. Like, yeah. Because, um, you know, he spends so little money making the film. Mm. And, like,. I enjoyed it. It was one of my favorite movies of the year. Like it made it there. It's just so bizarre. Mm. Um, and the last movie on my list isn't so much controversial, but I think like it's definitely going to surprise a few people. Um, and that's Halloween Kills. Yeah. Um, now I, I'm not the biggest Halloween fan. I've always been a Jason fan. You mentioned Jason earlier. Like mm. that's he's my Hollywood monster. Like yeah. of the the '80s wave of you know, horror monsters, Jason was my guy. That being said, I've seen them all. I've seen all the Freddy's and I've seen all the the Michael Myers ones as well. I really like the the last movie that came out in 2018 where they kind of did a sequel to the original one. 40 years later, they ignored every other movie. They are like, there are two Halloween movies, the one from 1978 and our one in 2018. That's kind of the way they've been doing them. So this new one is a sequel to the one from 2018 and it's a continuation. So it's like, it picks up pretty much exactly where the, the last film left off. And yeah. it's, you know, the whole idea is like Michael's out there somewhere. Um, they think he's dead, but he's not and this like it's still it's all one night as well they're just trying to get through the night mm. and stop it and i think the reason people didn't like it is it's not a horror film mm. like it's a michael myers film and there are some of the most brutal violent killings i've seen in any halloween film but this is not a horror movie mm. what it is it's a drama about trauma mm. that's what it is it's you know it's a study of the trauma of Laurie Strode, who's been living with the fear of Michael for 40 years. Mm. It's the trauma of an entire town who have lost, you know, countless lives again and again and again Mm. because Michael's been haunting them. Mm. Um, And that's really interesting to me. Mm. It's like we're not going to make a horror film. Like, we'll present it as a horror film and it's going to be violent and gory, so you're still going to get your horror elements there. Mm. But instead what we're going to do is something a little bit more interesting. We're going to do something a little bit different and we're going to analyse the trauma of an entire town, and there's really wonderful moment, and I almost like, I almost cried, which isn't saying much for me, because I cry all the time, when it comes to movies, but there's a moment in this, in, when they're in the police station, and all the towns there, and they're like, rabble, rabble, you know, because mm. like the, they're like, what are we supposed to do? This guy's out there killing the children, and mm. like the, you know, the people of our town, and at one point, point, I think it's Anthony Michael Hall, you know um, the guy in Community, who's like, my fist up your balls. Oh, yeah. My whole life's yeah, a gym. Yeah, yeah. So he's in the movie. Because mm. um, he was in one of the original ones, mm. I think. Um, and he starts this chant. And all, they're all like, they stop arguing and they all just start chanting together, evil dies tonight. Which is a really powerful statement. Like, mm. you don't think about it. And especially in a horror film, you're like, oh, what does that mean? It's like, no, no, no. Michael Myers is no longer a man. He's the personification of evil. There is no kind of re- redemption for him. He's going around killing people. Mm. He has haunted our town for years, even though he only resurfaced a couple of years ago, or, like, last night, because mm. it's a direct sequel. Mm. He has haunted. cast a shadow of our town. Our town has lived in fear. Our town has been known as the town that, you know, where all the murders happened. And we've had to live with that for 40s, this shared trauma. So tonight, we take our town back. Mm. Um... And there's this scene towards the end where like literally all the chance people are beating Michael to death with a base with baseball bats mm. and like shovels and stuff, but as we know, he's no longer a man he's transcended beyond a man he is the personification of evil and he kills I think he kills them all like mm. he kind of comes back and i don't know what it, i don't know why i I just loved it I was mm. like this is like this is way more subversive and interesting and kind of thoughtful than a Halloween movie like Halloween, like, 11 or 12, technically. Like, mm. way more than it deserves to be. It's just like with Mortal Kombat, it's doing so much more than it needs to. And for that reason alone, I was like, this is great. Um, so, it flies, you know, it wasn't in my top five, but definitely my top ten for the year. I think the people who didn't like it maybe didn't understand it. Or maybe they were just like, oh, I just want to see Blood and Guts. Which is yeah. fine. Mm. But I was so glad they did more with it. Yeah. So, Halloween Kills makes my uh, my honourable mentions. Nice. Uh, well, that's that's our list. Um, so the show's almost over Tina You have survived the first episode I
1: have uh,
0: But before we go we like As to... you have As I have Yeah um, But before we go As we...
1: has Kevin <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's one thing we do on every show We're starting with this one But we're going to yeah. do on every show We're going to do a rapid fire round of questions Right So you don't need to think too much about these First answer that comes okay. to your head um, And it's just something I like to know about From all my guests And you're, right. get, you're getting ready I'm getting ready Okay what was the last thing you watched? Superstore. Um,
1: movie? Do you want movie?
0: You can give me a movie as well.
1: Uh I don't know.
0: <laughs> you don't have to take it like you don't have to like
1: what <laughs> uh, it's rapid fire. Um last thing I've watched, last movie I watched. Um Matrix. Was it the Matrix Res Matrix Resurrections, I think was the last movie I watched. You
0: haven't watched a movie this year at all?
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember five minutes ago.
0: No, that's okay. Um, what's the, what movie has been sitting on your watch list forever? We've all got one. We keep putting it off. What is it?
1: Um, oh, I don't like rapid fire. I can't. You have to, like,
0: you can slow down. Like, when I,
1: (laughs) what movie has been on my watch list forever? Um, I don't really know. I feel like I have to check my watch list. It's all TV shows.
0: Well, it does have to be... Like, I it's say watch so... list because everyone's streaming these days, but maybe it's a DVD. Maybe it's just or one of those movies like... you're like, I've always wanted to watch as I keep putting it off.
1: What have I always wanted to watch and I keep putting it off? Um, like there's a whole bunch of documentaries. They count as movies. Yeah, do sure. they? So like there's a whole bunch of like, World War II, It's so boring. <laughs> oh, I've got to think of something cool. Um, what have I been wanting to watch that I've been putting off? Um, um... Oh, can you come back to me with that one?
0: <laughs> so we can skip it, it's all good. Um, what I've...
1: entertaining, <laughs> I, what entertainment this is.
0: Are you a movie crier?
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a movie crier, I'm yeah. a big movie crier. Which... I cried in Paddington.
0: Yeah, I know, like... I know. Um, is there an actor or actress that you'll follow to any movie?
1: Oh, Daniel Radcliffe, yeah. that's for sure. To any movie, absolutely, Daniel Radcliffe.
0: What's the worst movie you've ever seen?
1: Ooh, the worst movie I've ever seen. What's the worst movie I've ever seen?
0: I can think of two that you've turned off. What are they? Um, You turned... After the first ten minutes, you turned off Reaper, the genetic opera.
1: Oh, yeah, that's awful. Um,
0: And... An hour, an hour and 20 minutes until you turned off Rock of Ages. You were like, a...
1: Oh, yeah, that's bad. Rock of <laughs> Ages is bad. I'm going to go with Rock of Ages. Because at least Repo is like, it's got some sort of niche market. Yeah. Whereas Rock of Ages is just dog shit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and what's the one movie they should never remake?
1: Back to the Future.
0: That was my answer as yeah. well.
1: Never never remake it. Leave it as it is. Oh, To the Bone. To the Bone is a movie that's on my list that I've wanted to watch for a really long time. What is it? It is Um, it's a Keanu Reeves and Lily Collins movie, and she has anorexia. Oh, okay. And it's her dealing with having anorexia and overcoming anorexia and stuff like that. And so I've always wanted to... It's on my list for ages, and each time I'm like, oh, maybe I'll watch that. Oh, maybe I'll watch that. And then I never do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, on, that's another, there you go, another Keanu Reeves movie, that's on my
0: list. Good thing so you didn't say you'd follow him anywhere, because you haven't seen that one yet, so.
1: No, that's right. Um, but Daniel, and, I. Oh well, no, I wouldn't follow Keanu Reeves anywhere, because I watched The Gift. Yeah. As, as much as I could of The Gift, and once I saw, once I saw Katie Holmes wet, hanging from a tree, I was like, no. I don't care that Keanu Reeves is in this movie. I am not watching this movie.
0: I just bought that recently on Blu-ray as well.
1: That being said, I haven't seen every single Dan Radcliffe movie. No, like, no. I haven't seen The Woman in Black. And I haven't seen Kill Your Darlings. Mm. Um, I've seen both of those. But um, I've seen pretty I'd, I'd, If a movie came out and it was like, Hey, Dan Radcliffe's playing Hitler. I'd be like, Yep. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> or like, Dan Radcliffe's playing... Um, misogynist pig be like yep no problem
0: I'll watch that (laughs) Um, excellent well that's the show that's how it works that's how how we do it Um, before we wrap up is there anything you want to plug promote I know you've got a blog Uh
1: yes so I have a blog uh, that is called The Feminist Mum and um, I post up there as often as I possibly can with a bub, um, but you can follow me um, on Instagram at the Feminist Mum Blog, I think is what it is. Good <laughs> um, promoting. <laughs> yeah, really good promoting. Um, and um, on my Facebook page as well, the Feminist Mum Blog. Um, and I just I want it to be a space where I. Honestly and frankly talk about what it's like raising a kid because I find that a lot of the stuff online, especially on Pinterest, is A, very American-based... And be very much like, my child eats no refined sugar and watches zero hours of television, and we have all these Montessori toys. And I'm like, well, I'm just trying to not cry during the day.
0: <laughs> You're like, our kid eats yoga while watching Bluey.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> I'm surprised Bluey didn't make it. Well, good. I sit Blue on my phone. is the last thing you watched. <laughs>
1: Bluey is the last thing I watched. Well, I sit on my phone scrolling Instagram, not looking at um, ways to improve my parenting. <laughs>
0: Um, excellent. Well, that was the very first episode. Uh, we're going to be doing this weekly. New guest every week. You can follow uh, the show on Instagram. I was a teenage film snob with an underscore between each word because that's all Instagram would allow. Um, so the very big thank you to Tina for being the first guest. I'm James Chalmers. And as we always say, you know this, Tina, I always say this, I was a teenage film snob, but I'm trying to get better. We'll see you next week.